0: Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Well, as we approach autumn and get back down to business, we're going to focus this segment on jobs and career. And let me begin by asking you a series of four questions. And don't worry, this isn't a test, and it's not graded, and you don't have to share it with anyone. Uh, question number one, at Career Midpoint, do you have a clear vision of your destiny, or as my next guest calls it, your purpose on the planet, or POP, P O P. Question number two, is your present employment, practice, or a small business ownership moving you forward along the path to your destiny, if you even know what that is? Question three, does your present job or profession make you feel good? Does it contribute to your overall joy of living? And in contrast, I trust you don't consider work a necessary evil with your main purpose of getting through to the evening or to next weekend. And question number four, at this point in your career, are you in the driver's seat? Do you consider career development your personal responsibility, or do you depend upon your boss, employer, good fortune, Or simply luck of the draw for your next raise of promotion. And I would venture to guess that maybe one out of ten middle aged folks like you and me can answer all four of these questions in the affirmative. And if so, that's great. Uh, (laughs) But my next guest, career expert and business strategist H.B. MacArthur, is here with a remedy. And her message is, it's time to quit thinking like an employee and to become the business owner of your own career. Time to stop blaming the boss, apathetic co-workers, or the corporate grind uh, for your unhappiness during every workday. And it's time to uh, start flourishing in your career on your own terms. And uh, she's uh, here to suggest why. And here's uh, Heather MacArthur's biography, She brings over 20 years' experience to helping employees of all ages blaze fulfilling career paths in an ever-changing employment mandate. And from serving in the military to carving out a role as coach and consultant to Fortune 500 companies, she's built her expertise from hard-fought personal career choices. And she's author of the brand-new book, released just this last January, titled Low Man on the Totem Pole, Stop begging for a promotion and start selling your genius. And hello, Heather MacArthur, and welcome. The Middle Age can be your best age.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. Excited.
0: Well, you have a very patriotic name. Uh, Any relation to the famous World War II uh, General uh, Douglas MacArthur?
1: (laughs) You know, it's distant, uh, so distant that I don't get any of the uh, credibility from it, but it is somewhat connected that I can... Aspire to some hope. <laughs> That's
0: great. Well, before we talk about strategy, the employment landscape has changed dramatically, as you point out, over the past few years. Can you highlight for us briefly how employment in America has uh, transformed into what you label as the career Wild West?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it all—it's it, it's been probably the last 20 years, and it honestly started um, since after 9/11. Organizations started laying off proactively to kind of offset what they thought the economy was going to do to them. And what they realized is there's a fluidity to the workforce that actually helps them stay more budget conscious, more efficient, more prioritized. What that did is it set it up where the guarantee that if I show up, I do a good job, I get the gold watch, I can retire, that's not the guarantee anymore. But the beautiful thing about that is it did create a bit of a wild west. We're back to more of that entrepreneurial mindset. And you have more freedom to move uh, in your job and across different companies without that being seen as unreliable. Yeah, you have more freedom, but you
0: have to take advantage of it. (laughs)
1: 100%.
0: You have to take control, like you say. (laughs) Well, let's begin with a basic premise to view ourselves as business owners, even if we work for someone else. If you're an owner, who is your client? And practically, how do you begin to view yourself as an owner of your career, and what happens when you make that switch?
1: Well, I, I think just people forget that they're actually business owners, even if they decide to work underneath the umbrella of a bigger company. I mean, you didn't give up being a business owner. You just negotiated away uh, some of the risks, some of the responsibilities around benefits, and you file your taxes differently. But when, you, if you think of it that way, then your manager is not your boss as much as they're your primary customer. They're the ones that are budgeted to pay for you.
0: Yeah, that's so great. But on the other hand, you tell us that uh, many employees simply try to look good for the boss, but you say this actually can undercut performance. Why is that? And what is the alternative on the job? What should your objective be? You certainly don't want to just uh, constantly challenge your boss and uh, his or her authority, but uh,
1: No. I, but it, yeah, if you if you're thinking about looking good all the time, that's a it's a fear-driven approach. You're not as creative. You don't actually show up as a good partner to your manager or anybody else in the workplace. And so if you view them as a customer, as a customer, you'd want to educate them, help them get what they need. It's not that you're combating your boss or questioning their authority. It's how do you set them up for success and provide them with good information?
0: Yeah, that's for sure. I know you often uh, talk about uh, acting like a consultant rather than an employee. And uh, what does that imply? I I think you sort of touched on it a bit, but uh, I think that's a great concept. And, uh,
1: yeah, you it? know, I saw I, I when I first started getting into consulting is that I stopped kind of either operating downwards to employees or upwards to upper management, and yeah. you start entering in sideways. So everything's this partnership. How do I partner with you? There's no, no hierarchy, and I, it's not that you're more powerful than me. It's that we I'm here to assist you regardless of what title you have. Yeah. And the title I just used to kind of gauge what are your responsibilities and how does that inform the support I give you.
0: Well, you also tell us, uh, well, we'll get into that a bit later, but uh, conventional wisdom emphasizes the importance of teamwork, in accomplishing projects, and enhancing the bottom line as a team. But in your book, Chapter 13, you tell us to embrace the opportunity of conflict. Uh, for mere experience, when is conflict in business a good thing?
1: I mean, right now, because the competitive edge is no longer, you know, we do the same thing over and over again, it's what's the latest and most innovative thing that we came up with? Well, innovation doesn't come from thinking the same. So you want that conflict. There's a difference between having a conflict and then fighting. And I think people want to avoid the fight, the idea that the other person doesn't have good intent for you. Um, that's why you got to get away from this kind of fear factor and go, let's debate, let's have healthy disagreements, but not turn it into, you know, survival of the fittest.
0: And that's why you need diversity at work, because there's so many changes occurring. That if you get into an old boy or an old girl's club, you're obviously going to miss the boat if you don't bring in some new ideas and actually generate your own new ideas.
1: No, absolutely. I mean, I think that's the, the the most amazing thing is just the global aspect of all business right now, and yeah. so th- there's so much customer opportunity that's diverse, and so it, it, as a business strategy, it doesn't make sense to ignore the the usefulness of diverse diversity of thought and experience.
0: Yeah, well, here's a tough one. How do you know if your career is off track? Are there any common warning signs, or uh, is it just a gut feel? <laughs>
1: You know, I, I usually tell people that if you're, it, it's that idea of you're starting to notice that things that used to be kind of interesting to you or exciting, the conflicts or the pushback that you used to get excited to work through are now feeling like just the, the worst thing possible. Everybody around you, you start to kind of assign blame that that's why you're not satisfied. You're not as engaged anymore. And it's, it's tuning in and going, okay, then what's my next chapter versus, the company is not entertaining me enough, or the the people around me aren't good people. It's your responsibility to go, then, then what chapter do I create for myself in this next yeah. uh, career step?
0: Well, as you point out, in today's Wild West workplace environment, it's highly likely that most of us, even at middle age, will need to, or want to change jobs uh, more than once, even in, in middle age, and all of us want to land and retain that sweet job, as you call it a position that we can build upon and enhance our career. But first, uh, we need to get hired. Can you give us a few of the most common mistakes folks, especially those of us at middle age, make during the interview process?
1: You know, I think there's three things. Um, first off is is the traditional way of going into an interview is going in and, and kind of hoping that they pick you versus I treat it like it's a date, you know, it's a two-way kind of engagement. Um, What do they bring to the table? What do I bring to the table? Is it a good match? Yeah, and Um, um,
0: you better uh, be prepared to get to know your date (laughs) by knowing. Yes, exactly.
1: (laughs) Yeah, a common question I like to ask them is, you know, how are they even going to gauge whether or not they hired the right person 90 days after they hired them? So I always ask them, you know, what, what would tell you you've got the right pick? And you're three months into the job, and it's an interesting dialogue because you start to understand exactly what they're looking for versus what the job description is,
0: yeah. <laughs> which is often not too consistent. But uh, yes, well, as part of uh, your book's promotion, you generated what you call the five unspoken rules of today's new workplace. And they're very revealing, and I like briefly to address each of the five. Rule number one is think like a business person, not like a student. <laughs> Well, how does a student think it's contrasted to a, a business I mean, if,
1: yeah, if if I get straight A's in 11th grade, I'm guaranteed 12th grade. There's no, like, interview <laughs> process. They don't say, we're not using 12th grade this year. Where in business, you do a great job, you may or may not even get used again. So there's no guarantees in business.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, But you also have full freedom to do what you want in business, which you don't have as a student.
0: Yeah, you don't have to necessarily follow the teacher's advice. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, uh, rule number two is focus on building your brand instead of collecting titles. Aren't titles and uh, branding about the same thing? And how best can you brand yourself without highlighting the uh, promotions and uh, titles you've earned along the way?
1: Yeah, uh, branding and titles are not the same, because if I say I'm a VP, there's a million VPs out there. Branding is what is the impact that I'm known to make when I show up on the job? What is that service that I provide? And with flatter and flatter organizations, getting too caught up in whether or not you're climbing vertically sets you up where you may not have the breadth of experience and you don't stand out from the crowd by simply a title.
0: No, that's very true. And um, it says uh, what you were assigned to do, but it doesn't tell how well you did the job when you
1: decide
0: the title. Rule three tells us to choose to weave a web instead of just climbing the ladder, and what do you mean by weaving a web, and what should every one of us do before we accept a leadership position? I think that's a really good point you make.
1: Yeah, there's, there's two things. There's one, um, more and more people are looking for people with a breadth of experience versus it's actually a yellow flag or even a red flag if you've just gone vertically in one area or one function
0: yeah.
1: um, because change happens so quickly. So when I say a web, it's have you done some horizontal things? Have you stepped back and taken some, some experience in other areas? And, um, you know, that sets you up to have a really broad breadth. So if you're going to be a leader, you can be a strong business leader, not just a subject matter expert in one area.
0: Yeah, I I think it's so good when you point out that, uh, first of all, uh, so many companies make the mistake of hiring somebody for a leadership position just because they've been good as a uh, an individual contributor and without really uh, evaluating whether they uh, they want or are, are really qualified to be a leader and the other point you make is that you may not want to uh, have the responsibility of leading others if that's not <laughs> you know yeah. what you consider I- your destiny or, or your POP as you call it
1: yeah, you know there's just a, a lot of people who assume because they need the promotion and that they take a job where they have you know you have no interest in leading people but yet you have these people's jobs um you know in your hands around your decisions and the, I think that's irresponsible. I think you should be really thoughtful about if you want to lead other people and be responsible for a whole uh side of the business or the entire business.
0: Yeah, well, we already talked a bit about rule number four, perform like a consultant, not like an employee. But how about rule number five, build relationships, not networks? Now, I thought that was pretty much the same thing, but what's the difference there?
1: Well, I mean, and you may treat it as the same thing, so if that's the case, you're doing a great job. But what I've seen, especially with social media and that type of thing, is there's this drive for popularity or quantity, uh, but at the end of the day, People who know you and respect you, you're better off having five people who really have your back and know and, and know what you do and would put put their name on your name than a hundred people who maybe follow you on social media but don't even recognize your name if it comes up in a conversation. Yeah,
0: you're saying it's quality versus quantity, and that makes yeah. a lot of sense. People you can yeah, really that's... rely on, and they can also yeah. rely on you. It's obviously a two-way street when you're building a relationship, but uh... Absolutely. Well, uh, let's talk a bit about your new book, Low Man on the Totem Pole. And despite the uh, book's title, I presume the book is intended for career-minded uh, minded women, and not just us men.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, it's it's uh, it's it's for everybody, and I think it just goes with that that phrase being misunderstood. Uh, <laughs> that if I'm the low man on the totem pole, I'm helpless. There's nothing I can do. And I've met people who are SVPs who have that mindset uh, because they're not an EVP. And I look at it as, um, you know, the, the, the real tradition around it was that the bottom piece of the totem pole was the most important, the most powerful, yeah. it's the foundation. And so to have a mindset of a low man on the totem pole, meaning that you support and drive whether that business is successful, so you are empowered, you are in that driver's seat, you, you have a lot of ownership over what you can do. You're absolutely right. It's not about gender. It's absolutely about your brain and what you're bringing to the table. Yeah.
0: Well, who should read your book? Is it intended primarily for uh, present or inspiring uh, company CEOs and C-level executives or high-level managers? Or can, say, somebody in the secretarial pool or on the factory floor also benefit?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's the point of this book is is really any position that you're in, it's just anyone who feels like, their career is not going in the direction that they want it to be, whether they're at that fork in the road, they're, they're in a high-level leadership position and they're wondering what that next step is, they're out of work right now, or they're at that beginning stages of their career and they want to be more empowered and want to know what those ne- next steps are and what it looks like. Uh, I wrote this so that people had access to basically a career coach, um, but maybe, you know, without the, the high level of cost investment and it's right close to home and you've got a nice little playbook.
0: Yeah, and you talk so much about the importance of having a, a, as you call it, your place on the planet or what you consider mm. your destiny. How mm. does one go about finding that?
1: You know, I, I mean, it's a journey, and I'm not saying, you know, that it's, that it's an easy question for everybody. I find a lot of people struggle with it. Yeah. What I want people to do, though, is first ask themselves, what are they up to in life? What do they want to experience in life? A question I'll ask is, you're 105. What do you want to say about your life? and then what do you want work to do to support that versus what do i want to do in my career and then maybe it'll satisfy my life i just want yeah. them to kind of reverse the the role
0: yeah and and it's, it's so important you're you're so much more than what your business title says that you are i hate the way that uh, some people equate success in life and uh, or fulfillment in life is just what their title says they do
1: yeah, and it's it's. I mean, look, we we grew up in an organ in a, in a culture where organizations. It was all about how how far did you climb up the ladder, and I get it because it, it served the purpose of the business at the time. But you know, I, I I wanted people to get off the hamster wheel, stop running for the cheese, get off, really decide what's your version of success, and and use work to really feed that. And if what you want to do is just have a great family and spend a lot of time with them, then make sure that you find work that feeds that purpose and doesn't yeah. drain it.
0: But it's it, yeah, it doesn't drain it. That's so many people want to enjoy their families, and yet they have a job they hate so much that uh, it drains all the pleasure out of life in total. <laughs> and that's happened okay. to me in the past, so I know what uh, what it feels like. Well, where's the best place for listeners to go to a preview and purchase your book, "Low Man on the Totem Pole"?
1: uh well uh, it's available on Amazon and Kindle and in paperback and then uh also you can look for at low men on the totem pole um at Instagram as well as on facebook
0: and uh what's your web t- uh, page that people should go to or your website that if they want to learn more about you and uh and your book
1: yep that's uh on the Pole dot com and nice. I'm also on LinkedIn under Heather MacArthur or under uh Men on the Totem Pole.
0: Oh, that's great. So they just look at uh, com and they'll find out all about the book. Well, in conclusion, as we frequently discuss on the program, and I'm certain you've learned in life, you really can't experience joy and fulfillment in your life as a whole if you spend 40 or 50 or more hours a week under stress, boredom, or lack of purpose and really uh, hating to get up in the morning to go to work because all of us were created to pursue a career with passion and to enjoy our work just as we enjoy our relationships, hobbies, and free time. And it just doesn't work when you just wait for the weekend and evenings to have all your good times. And best of all, though, it's it's possible that uh, we can uncover our destiny, our true North Star or pop place on the planet, and uh, then become business owners of our own career, serving our employees and business associates as clients worthy of our best. And once we start doing that, things really start falling into place, I think. uh, I've certainly found that, and I'm certainly you will, too. And uh, H.V. MacArthur's unique insights and practical advice will guide your career path, whether you're working to make ends meet sitting in a sea C-level corner suite, or getting ready to reinvent your career's next stage. Not theory, and that's what I love about her book, but hard-nosed practical advice. And thank you so much, Heather MacArthur, and best of success in uh, selling your book and getting your message out there, because it's certainly needed.
1: Thank you. well, Thank you. Much appreciated.
0: Well, thanks a million to my guest, Heather MacArthur, I'm certain you'll agree with me that your life will be infinitely more enjoyable, inspirational, and fulfilling once you are pursuing a career and a lifestyle that's 100% in tune with your destiny, or as Heather terms it, your place on the planet, or P.O.P., And guess what? No matter how good you presently are on a job or in your business, I'd be willing to wager that your career accomplishments and your self-satisfaction would be far greater if you routinely performed tasks ideally suited to your very unique combination of talent, personality, intellect, and aspirations, in other words, your destiny. It is possible to have fun while earning a living, And wouldn't it be great to wake up every Monday eagerly looking forward to the work week ahead? I've had a couple of jobs like that over my long career, but a whole lot of others that weren't at all like that. And if uh, this describes you where you are looking forward to the work week, congratulations. You truly are blessed. Just keep doing what you're doing and uh, have a great second half of life. But I fear most of us at middle life, our our middle age and midlife, are not that fortunate. Like me, did you kind of fall into your current career when you finished your education or military service? Well, not my current career, but the one I held for some 30 years. And You may have really enjoyed work for a while, uh, maybe had great aspirations uh, for that corner office when you were starting out, or maybe you never did. But now at middle age, it's just a job, a joyless, unfulfilling grind to put bread on the table. And wouldn't it be great to transition into a vocation you love, your true destiny? But first, do you have any idea of what that destiny would be? Well, to close today's program, I'm going to describe an exercise from my book, A Midlife Challenge Wake Up by Roy C. Richards that you may want to try. And it's called Taking a Mental Vacation to Find My Vocation. And the exercise begins by declaring to yourself, and why don't you do that right away, I'm going to take a vacation for the next 30 days. Okay, the vacation doesn't have to last a full 30 days, but I recommend at least 21 days off because studies show that it takes at least that long to establish a new habit. And no, you're not going to play hooky from your job or take a long ocean cruise. Instead, as you continue to report to work, school, parenting, whatever your primary daily activity, you hereby grant yourself permission to dismiss from your mind all of the worry, pain, stress, and daily aggravation of living. And you can do that for a month, can't you? For the next three or four weeks, you're shutting down the pressure cooker. Your mind is on a stress-free vacation. Give it a try. Your primary assignment over the next three or four weeks is to answer only one, but it's one of life's most uh, pivotal questions. What vocation would I pursue if it were impossible for me to fail? And we will begin with some ideal vocations. For now, please ignore any limitations imposed uh, by your lack of education, skills, or background qualifications, or even your self-confidence. And believe me, once uh, we finish, you will have self-confidence more than enough. Okay, let's uh, be realistic, though. If you're presently 45 years old and out of shape, it doesn't make too much sense to picture yourself as an NFL quarterback, an ice-skating princess, or a major league pitcher, but how about head coach or sports broadcaster? And with no prior medical training, you aren't likely to become an MD at age 56. As for me, I'd love to be a country music singer in the traditional style of Hank Williams Sr. or Johnny Cash. (laughs) Not that I ever will. (laughs) But as you identify and visualize yourselves performing one or more of your ideal vocations, confirm to yourself beyond a doubt that the following statement is true. I can't think of any vocation in the whole wide world I would rather choose uh, to earn a living. And if you have trouble identifying even one ideal career, here are some questions to ask yourself. How do I most like to spend my free time? What do I do for fun when no one tells me what to do? What were my childhood dreams? Who were my heroes? <laughs> Was it Gene Autry? Maybe you should be a cowboy. <laughs> of everyone I uh, know or know of, who has the best career? Who appears most joyful and fulfilled in earning a living? And what vocations do I most admire? What career profiles make my heart jump when they are described? And what careers do friends and loved ones also tell me that I should now or should have pursued? And where do aptitude tests predict I would prosper? And it's perfectly okay to take an aptitude test at middle age, believe me. Forget what you're doing now. Uh, Take one. And once you have selected one or more ideal vocations, Uh, take time to briefly write down a position description for each. It doesn't have to be fancy, but the description should include job title, nature of your employer, which may be yourself if you're starting up a new venture or plan to be self-employed, your job functions and tasks you would perform, primary required skills and educational prerequisites, and who you would report to and your anticipated compensation package. And once you complete one or more ideal position descriptions, your next task is to answer these five questions, the $64,000 question in other words. And don't forget your mind's still on uh, vacation. One, am I qualified today to perform my dream vocation? Two, who will compensate me for chasing my dreams? Based upon my education and background qualifications, would any hiring manager consider hiring me or a venture capitalist consider financing my venture? Would a bank lend me money? And if not qualified now, can I become qualified with a realistic expenditure of time, effort, and money? Is it realistic to think I could develop into the uh, position of my dreams? Uh, Four, how much would I expect to earn pursuing my dream vocation? Would my compensation, spousal earnings, and passive income be enough to support intended family lifestyle, pay for our kids' college, and fund retirement? And five, would my spouse and children support transition to my dream vocation? Are they willing to share in temporary or even permanent financial sacrifice? If necessary, would they agree to relocate? And if the answer to all five questions is yes, then I encourage you to explore that dream uh, vocation more closely. But let's face it, not every one of us will be able to identify an ideal vocation that is even close to reality. So you would love to become a medical doctor. Well, at age 56 with no prior medical training, you probably aren't going to complete medical school, internship, and residency required to gain your M.D. You'd be well into your 60s by the time you did, which is a little late in life for for starting out, isn't it? So if your dream uh, vocation is not realistic, exercise, uh, the next exercise is the next stage of our exercise is to explore some realistic career options that provide many of the same psychic benefits as the ideal. So you want to help heal people, how about a nature uh, a natural uh medication store, uh, a health food store or uh, you know perhaps you could uh, be a hospital administrator, uh, something of that nature where you're helping people to uh healthy uh, lifestyle, but you're not really a certified M.D., and as a first first step, uh, don't neglect to take a look at your current position. Before you launch a search for something new and plan for a difficult transition, which may really be pie in the sky, complete a critical assessment of what's right and what's wrong with your present job. Could it be you actually admire most aspects of today's workplace experience, but your life in general is a mess or is out of balance? Are there alternative positions within your current employer that you really admire? Is a lateral even or an internal transfer a possibility? And so you don't get along with your present boss. Is the personality conflict all your boss's fault? What, if any, initiatives can you take to improve that relationship and maybe find a friend as well as a boss? And finally, uh, do you foresee promising near-term development prospects with your present employer? You wouldn't want to leave and then uh, six months later uh, discover they opened up a whole new division and uh, had just the kind of job that you were seeking, would you? Okay, so you've thought about it at length, and you've concluded without a doubt that you need a change of scenery, a new job with a different employer, uh, perhaps yourself, if uh, you're thinking of a new venture. So what comes next? Well, then you write down a list, as many as you can imagine, of potential alternative vocations and employers that would utilize many of the same skills and talents as your ideal, and would provide similar job satisfaction but this time you list only realistic employment or new venture possibilities given your age known capabilities uh, your current financial status personality your identified financial needs family responsibilities prior on the job experience and education and once you complete this list narrow it down in discussions with your spouse family members and other most trusted confidants, as well as some heart-to-heart discussion with yourself. And ask level-headed advisors if if they can picture you prospering in one or more of your identified alternative vocations. Your ambitious goal over the next several days and weeks is to select one specific alternative as your primary target vocation and maybe keep in mind a secondary or backup vocation also. And heck, if need be, you can extend your vacation beyond 30 days, but please beware of paralysis of analysis. I have suffered from that disease a few times in my career. And once you select that primary target vocation, whether or not within your present employer, you are ready to return from your 30-day mental vacation with a whole new outlook on career and on life in general, First, at every quiet time opportunity, you will visualize yourself performing and prospering in that selected vocation, basking in the positive emotion of routinely striving to fulfill your destiny and having fun doing it. Secondly, you will start making detailed plans from how you're going to get from A to B because the dream wears pretty stale after a while. If you don't start making some preliminary steps, uh, maybe not... uh, Beyond the point of no return, but you start making some preliminary steps toward achieving that idea, that target vocation. And third, you'll approach every assignment or responsibility on the job, at a job interview, or away from work, maybe in volunteer or. Uh, social uh, situations as potential opportunities to gain skills and experience those needed on your targeted vocation. And most of all, relax and enjoy the journey. You're on the right track now, so enjoy every minute of every day. And uh, fourth, you will condition yourself to express gratitude for every blessing and benefit that comes your way because a positive, thankful attitude and full respect for others and your place in helping others makes a world of difference. And uh, once you uncover your career destiny and maintain a clear focus throughout on your place on the planet... You'll be miles ahead of the vast majority of contemporaries who continue to flounder along without career direction, probably hating what they do for a living or at least not really admiring it. And by following your true North Star, you will prosper regardless of age, uh, prior circumstances, or past history. And a month from now, you'll be back from vacation ready to move forward ready to map out your transition plan, including finances, and then ready to go for it, ideally while holding on to your present job as a primary source of income. And if that's impossible, make sure you have the funding and stamina in place for a successful transition before you take the plunge. By all means, you need to trans, uh, plan out transition financing in advance, because you can't uh, launch a job search or a new venture startup and become overwhelmed by worry that you can't pay the bills and will lose it all because then it becomes a panic search and you're likely to take a job worse than the one you have now. But with a clear direction in mind and an interim transition plan in place, you will be the self-confident and fully CEO of your career. Remember, we talked about that on a past program, how each person needs to be the chief executive officer of their own career. You're in charge of success, not someone else, and don't be dependent upon anyone else. You're the CEO. And current or potential employers, coworkers, partners, lenders, and investors will be your clients. And my book, A Midlife Challenge Wake Up, contains a whole chapter on the mental vacation exercise, laying it out step-by-step step in detail, plus a whole lot more. In fact, through 18 chapters and 21 self-help exercises, my book presents a comprehensive roadmap through the challenges and opportunities of middle age, and that's A Midlife Challenge Wake Up by Roy C. Richards. And if you're ready to renew and bring joy and fulfillment into your life, this is the book for you. And you'll find it on Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, and on our website, MiddleAgeRenewal.com. If nothing else, at least uh, review uh, the preliminary description in that uh, little bit that's included on Amazon, and you'll get an idea of what the book is like. Now, as most, most folks kiss goodbye to the joys of summer, may each of you have a splendid month long mental vacation.